Good morning. My name is Michael, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church, and we're very excited to have you with us on this second Sunday of Advent, 2009, this uh, second Sunday of our Advent conspiracy. And uh, before I uh, go into uh, today's topic, um, I wanted to share with you something that's been going on in in my life. Um, On Thursday, I uh, started having a headache. And, um, it, you know, I, I get headaches periodically, but it's mainly because um, I haven't had my gallon of caffeine for the day, um, you know, give or take an ounce. Um, and, you know, that, that will fix it, having some caffeine. But, it, you know, it's kind of a, a different headache than, than I'd experienced. And I actually had a, a couple come into my office for premarital counseling. And uh, I said, look, I, I'm, I'm having a bad headache right now. I'm going to be chewing ice during this time. And you're just going to have to put up with it. Um, and they were fine with it, uh, I guess, because they're so in love or whatever. Um, but they, uh, they're they sitting over there. Um, and, uh, I, you know, Thursday went on. Friday, I woke up. Friday's my day off. I, I go around the house, and the headache just starts getting worse and worse um, to the point of, I think I termed it to, to somebody. It felt like somebody had a fork with, with nubbed tines on it and was on the inside of my head trying to poke my eyes out. Um, everybody got that picture? You're welcome. Um, and it, it just, I mean, a horrendous, horrendous headache to the point where I, I called my doctor finally and, and, uh, and asked him, and he, he prescribed some um, migraine medication. I've never had a migraine before, um, and, uh, and so I took some, some of those medicines and, and got in bed and uh, you know, told Jenny, you're on your own uh, with the kids, and it didn't do a thing um, to lessen the headache. And I, I took multiples of them, and um, like no more than I was supposed to. So I don't think I have a problem. Um, <laughs> and uh, but we'll have a talk about that later. Uh, and and so I move on, and I call him back, and he's like, "How is it seriously?" And I said, "You know, it, it's killing me. It it does not. That doesn't help." And so he he upped the ante and, and gave me something a little harder uh, of a drug, um, to which I'm a big fan of. All of a sudden, never thought about it until now. Big fan of that codeine stuff. Um, Doctors are going, no, don't say that. Uh, but it, it took care of the pain, and, and I felt better um, yesterday afternoon and, and on into the evening. And um, I, I had taken one in the morning and then one later on when I felt it coming back because he said stay on top of it. And So this morning I, I couldn't get out of bed. Um, I woke up at about 5 o'clock in the morning, and just my entire body uh, was sore and just achy and and not one it felt like somebody had just been punching me in the back all night long um you know what i didn't ask jenna she was mad um it just occurs to me uh so i I got out of bed and and uh and slowly made my way uh to church and and limped in here and i came up to daryl and i said daryl how you doing today he goes fine i was like no you know you're a good man you know that and he goes what do you want and i said well i may have to ask you to preach for me today He's like, well, why? <laughs> like, well, you know, because you're in seminary and qualified as much as any of us are. And, um, you know, they recognize you and you can step in and talk about the Advent stuff as much as I can. And, and so he sent me a way to get better. Um, but he did say at the first service, if he was listening for this, me passing out, he would be here quickly um, to, uh, to either heal me or to carry on stepping around me. Um, so the, the reason I tell you this is, 
is to let you know that the, the church is a place where we feel like we have to be a certain way. And we feel like we have to come in here and put on a smiley face and put on a persona that isn't necessarily who we are at the moment. And we've talked about this from time to time in New Heights, but it was really made real to me today. And Jenna said, you know what, you should tell, tell them this. Um, and so I'm just saying, you know, this is a place where we need to be authentic with one another. If you're broken and hurt, we're here. That's why the body of Christ exists. If you're physically hurt, you know, if you have a fever, get away from me. But if not, I'll come and hug you. You know, if, if you're emotionally hurt, whatever's going on in your world, that's why we are here. So I, I want to encourage you to, be, to, to see this as a place where you don't have to be someone you're not. You don't have to come in and somebody says, you know, how are you doing today? You know, some, one person walked by me and they said, how's it going? I said, great. And I limped on past them. Or in essence, I should have said, because it was one of the other pastors, I should have said, you know what, Donna? I'm sucking wind right now. I'm barely able to make it up the stairs. It's killing me. And Donna, being the person that she is, would have called the Holy Spirit down and flames of tongues of the Spirit would have healed me and we could have moved on about our day. But I didn't. So we need to realize that, that we are the body of Christ and the family of God. And you should feel free to come in here broken in whatever state you are. Don't feel like you have to make something up, though. If your day is going wonderfully, great. Praise God for that. Um, but realize that there are those of us out there that are hurting. And we need to be okay to say it. Uh, so there you go. There's my sermon in a sermon. Um, so today we are, uh, that, that is to say, um, needless to say, my mind has not truly been with this sermon. So I guess that was a whole way of saying sorry. Uh, Today uh, we are continuing the Advent Conspiracy and in the second Sunday. And basically what the Advent Conspiracy is, um, it's an idea that was created from three pastors in various parts of the country who a few years ago got together and said, you know what, I'm kind of tired of the way the world has changed Christmas, has taken hold of the Advent season. And this Advent season, when we should be celebrating the coming, we should be waiting for the coming of the King, has turned into something completely different, something consumeristic and worldly and and just smells nothing like what Christ uh, had in mind for it. And so they wanted to change that and to re-enter the story of Advent, the the story of of a young girl being visited by an angel and the angel saying, here's what's going to happen. You're going to conceive a child by the Holy Spirit. That child is going to be God's son. He is going to save God humanity okay and coming to some young carpenter and telling the carpenter hey this is what's going to happen i know that you're freaked out right now but it's okay god is in control of this situation just obey me and move forward and these shepherds who left everything behind who left their livelihood out in the fields and ran the the text says they ran to see jesus to fall at the foot of Christ and to worship him. The story of the wise men, the astrologers who traveled more distance than we probably realize to go and worship this king who risked their lives by not going back and telling Herod where he was to truly 
give them, give him all they had to offer. To re-enter the story of Advent where we worship the coming of the king, where we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what the Advent season should be about. But instead, it's about all the things they were talking talking about there in the video. Waiting in line, being in traffic, being angry with people at stores, and everyone stressed out, and having this whole list of of people that you need to buy presents for, and okay, how much money, how much do we, what is our relationship like with this person that will deem how much we spend on this person? Well, they gave us a present, so I guess we better go out and get something for them also. Oh, we got a Christmas card from that person, and we didn't send them one. Do we have any extras? Quick, send it. They'll never know that everyone else got theirs last week. All these different things where we try to put on this front and be people who, we not, who we're not. You know, have you ever wondered um, what goes through, and I, I know we all were once children, except those of you that are actually children right now, um, have you ever wondered what goes through the mind of a child? Do you, ever, do you remember what went through your mind as a child when on Christmas morning, you, however your family did it, whatever your tradition was, if it was Christmas Eve, some of you people do it wrong and open the presents on Christmas Eve. For those of you that do it correctly and open them on Christmas Day, do you remember what happened when you ran out to where the tree was and, and you see all these presents and then you start opening the presents? And I mean, everybody has a tradition of how you basically do that, right? Maybe from year to year it changes a little bit when... When somebody marries into the family, um, you have to bend around those. Well, maybe we'll be with them on Christmas Day, but then on the 27th we'll celebrate Christmas with that part of the family. And, and all those different wonderful traditions that you try to balance and fit in and, and, and just make the holiday season the most wonderful time of year. You, you know, I remember going around our family, uh, one of the things that we would do is we would take turns opening presents amongst the the three of us children and um you know my brother scott would open one and then caroline would open one and then i would open one and then we'd go back around the circle and and kind of the game that we played amongst ourselves as children was we you kind of hide a present behind you so that your brother or sister did not know that that present existed yet because the person who opened the last present clearly mom and dad loved you more because they gave you more presents. And so it was kind of this whole thing of, oh, what's this behind my back? It's yet another present. Oh, I guess they don't love you as much as they love me. We all knew that, but it's good to get it out in the open. I remember opening presents as a child and, and kind of doing one of these things. You open the presents, oh, that's so awesome. And then grabbing the next one. Anybody remember that? Is it just boys that did that? No. We all did that. You you ever think that sometimes the excessive amount of presents that we give to our children is a bad thing? By the way, this is the sermon that kids were dreading and parents are praising God for. But seriously, do you ever think that the, the excessive amount of stuff that we put before our kids is teaching them something that's contrary to what Christmas is all about. We're, we're, we're showing them who Jesus Christ is by piling gifts underneath the tree. 
One of the pastors who um, created this, his name is Chris C. He is a, a pastor in Houston, um, and he has a relationship with Ken Lay, um, and he has for years known Ken Lay. And Ken Lay, as, as you might be familiar with the name, uh, was the, the head of a company called Enron. Um, and Enron, uh, he was the head when it went, you know, up sky high, and then he was the head when they pulled an Enron, um, which I think is kind of now a new terminology thing, um, when they just crashed and wiped out people's retirement plan. I mean, just devastation um, through some of their practices. And, and over the course of time, uh, Chris and, and Ken had many meetings, and they would and talk about stuff. And, and Ken is a, a pastor's kid. He is uh, the son of a Baptist pastor who happens to have a, a mind for business, um, some would say. And um, during the course of their relationship together, uh, Ken is a believer in, in Jesus, and, uh, and Chris asked him a question. He said that, and from Chris's mind, he said, every Christian must ask themselves this question from time to time, especially in the Western world and in, and in our culture. And he said, when I asked it to Ken, I didn't expect him to be so offended at the question but the question was how much is too much so Ken, Ken how much is too much and apparently he became greatly offended at the question Chris goes on to say he talked about the uh, the Enron executives some of whom had seven eight homes yeah seven and eight homes he says, you know, we all would look at that and say, that's pretty excessive. I mean, at what point do you, you sit down, you're an Enron executive, you're like, you know, I have five homes, but I think six may be okay. Well, I got seven homes, but I think that eighth home is going to be where I stop, though. That's not excessive. That's a necessity. You know, most of us looking in on that situation would think that's excessive. But then if, if you take a step back, and you look at the way we spend our Christmases, we are pretty excessive. We're pretty excessive in the amount of money that we spend upon stuff that isn't needed. On the amount of time and energy that we spend running around at the last second to get one last present because you didn't expect Uncle Jethro to show up and now he's here so we got to go to get a present for him as well. And it's probably going to be something he neither wants nor needs, but at least he has something to open. I mean, truly, what does it say that, that we measure our, our successful Christmas season by how many presents we get and, and what we get and just the pile of stuff that we consume during this time of year? I mean, honestly, I mean, how many times have you gone... And, and bought something and then felt better about yourself. It's happened. I know it. We all have. We all have gone out. We've bought something and, and it kind of gave you a little something. But it didn't last long, did it? Because the religion of consumerism is built upon that's not going to last long, so you're going to need more of it. And more of it. And more of it. We're inundated with commercials and advertisements that tell us, you need to get this. If you want a better, happier life, you need to get this. If you are a single man and you want to walk down the street and have gorgeous women jump all over you, you need to buy this cologne and spray it on you. Because it'll work. 
If, if you really want to see the greatest national championship game with Texas losing this year, you have got to get this new TV. Wow, the 930 was much more bitter about that comment. But how many times do you, I remember being in Dallas during the, during the heyday of the Cowboys and, and remembering when, when the Super Bowl was coming, all of the great sales on these big screen televisions. Come get your big screen TV for the Super Bowl. What? You have a place in your house. Maybe it's a closet. Maybe it's the garage. Maybe you are one of those people who has taken it to the extreme and you have an off-site storage facility somewhere. But there is a place where you put the things that you once purchased because you thought you absolutely needed them, but you realize that you didn't. And they end up somewhere lost. Today when you get home or tomorrow or someday this week, go, walk through that graveyard of presents that were going to change me. And just remember, try to think about the emotions that were going through you at the time you made the purchase. What was it that drove you towards, I've got to have this widget. I've got to have this thing right here. It's going to truly, oh man, this is great. What was it that you were searching for at that time? What was it that you felt like you would, you would get from that? So often we buy things just on a spur of a moment, emotional sense. And we fail maybe to look at it from the lens of Christ. In Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty or where they and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Verse 21 of Matthew 6 is something you should remember. Wherever your treasure is, there will your heart also be. There's a saying that if you want to know where someone's heart lies, look at their checkbook. Granted, very few people use those anymore, so look at their online statement. If you want to know what somebody truly cares about and truly finds important, they're going to be spending their money on it. And so I turn it back to this Advent season and, and we say, okay, what is it that we're teaching our children when we pile up this, this pile of materialistic presents that they'll play with for maybe a week, maybe two if we're lucky, maybe a month. But then they'll get cast aside because, let's face it, children's attention spans are about like mine. What? And they'll move on to something else. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't buy our children presents. I'm not saying that at all. Kids are like, phew. What I am saying is, is we should be more intentional about how we buy and what we buy. If you believe in Christ and if you believe his words that where your treasure is, there your heart will also be, then what does it say about what you buy and how you buy it. Last night we were, um, as I was on a, a high, um, we went out um, to dinner with some friends and we were speaking with one of the friends who had been shopping that day and she was talking about her, uh, the play, one of the stores that she went into. 
and I know the store, and I told her that store gives me shivers. There's so, when you walk into it, there's not in a good way either. There's so much stuff just piled and crammed in there that I walk in, I just get so nervous that I have to walk back out. I'm clearly, I'm not built for shopping, but um, I did say, I, I've noticed on the bottoms of their bag, it says John 3:16, And uh, she goes, yeah, you know, I, I, I noticed that as well. And she said, I actually kind of am becoming more socially conscious about how I spend my money. And so I was doing some research online. And she said, I was greatly disappointed in this store because even though they have John 3:16 on the bottom of their, their bags, there's been a documentary made about this store that talks about the sweatshops that exist in Los Angeles where the clothes that they sell are made. It's sweatshops of undocumented um, immigrants who live in Los Angeles, who have no say in this world, who they don't pay a fair wage to, who they don't have insurance of any kind. And they're the ones pumping out the clothes so that you can buy them a little cheaper and then feel good about yourself because it says John 3.16 on the bag. And I was like, wow, can we order now? (laughs) That's heavy. But truly, how, how often do you look behind the scenes of the things that you purchase? Do you look behind behind the little veil? Don't look behind the curtain and see the conditions that the workers exist in. And I use that term exist very loosely. How often do we truly do we truly buy something with the conscious knowing that, you know what, I'm going to pay a little bit more for this, but it's guaranteeing something better for the person who made it. Or it's not consuming as much energy or whichever your stance is, but how often do we really buy things with a Christian heart? So spending less doesn't always mean spending less money. Maybe it means buying less presents and spending a little bit more on one present so that you buy something that is worthwhile. Doing this, spending less, is something that takes creativity. It it takes thinking out of the box. It takes maybe getting online and researching the best deal. It takes really looking at the relationships that you have with the people you purchase presents for and say, what is it that this person would truly benefit from? What is it that, I mean, when you're an adult, when, when you're on your own and you have kids of your own and everything and you start buying presents for each other, I hate buying presents for my brother and my sister. Why? Because they make so much more money than I do. I can't buy them anything that they can't buy for themselves. So what do I do? I have to think, what is it that they truly like? What is it that would really go, you know what? I actually thought about you this year instead of running into Best Buy and getting you a $25 gift card. What I'm doing for my brother this year, because we've pulled names out of a hat, I'm buying for my brother this year. And and what I'm doing is um, a friend of mine, makes stuff out of wood. He makes pens and he makes uh, pepper mills. And I'm going to, I said, you know, how much is one of your pens? And he goes, well, it's this much, but why don't you come over and I'll teach you how to do it and you can make it yourself. It's like, oh, that is awesome. So what I'm doing is I'm going to go over there in the next couple of weeks and I'm going to make a fountain pen for my brother. I'm going to get on his lathe and I'm going to, I'm sure I'll, mess up a couple of times, but I will come out with something beautiful. He collects fountain pens. 
He's a lawyer, and I think that makes him feel superior to everyone else. I use a fountain pen, whatever. I use a bit. But I will be taking time and thought to go and to make this for him. The other thing that I'm doing is I'm going to make a pepper mill for my father. My dad loves pepper, loves him some pepper. I mean, the guy's kind of sick about it. Loves pepper mills. And the fact that I'm going to go over there and make him one, he's going to be bawling all day when he opens it. He's just, (laughs) he didn't cry until he hit 70. And now it's just like we can't stop him, really. It's really kind of embarrassing at times, but. Oh, I forgot to say this. Um, Dad, if you're listening to this, uh, as I know you do, um, surprise, because <laughs> you'll get this before Christmas. But what is it that you are going to do this year? I mean, if you call your family and you say, hey, hey, guys, you know what? Instead of, um, instead of giving gifts this year, let's not give gifts to one another. You may have a little revolution on your hands, right, for some people, some people that don't buy into the Advent conspiracy. Some of you who have adults, parents that still buy you presents are like, shh, stop it. In fact, my brother-in-law uh, was telling me that. He's like, would you stop this? You know, because we want our in-laws to continue to shower us with gifts and tell us how much they love us, how thankful they are that we married their children. It's like, you know, but wouldn't it be better if they did something that brought us all together as a family? Maybe took us on a trip. And we got to spend time together as a family. Don't buy us anything for Christmas. I don't need to open anything. But maybe you do something where you come together as a family and you spend time together as a family. family, And you maybe worship together. You talk about Christ together. You talk about this Advent season together. Maybe you invest in relationships this Christmas instead of spending more money. As you go about your business and go into Lock and Terra and you fight that sensation of me on one side saying, you don't have to do this, and the world on the other side saying, he's an idiot. Yes, you do. As you go to the quarry or to the mall or to wherever you're spreading out and fanning out, remember the words of Christ from Matthew 6. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Before you lay down your credit card, before you make that purchase, remember those words. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be what do we want to teach the children our children your children the world about christmas about christ do we want to show them that it is about how much stuff you get or do we want to show them it's about what he gave let us pray gracious and heavenly father we thank you and praise you for the gift of life that you gave us lord we thank you that that you loved us so deeply and tenderly that you were willing to come here on earth and to give your life for us. And all you've ever asked us to do is to worship you. Lord, help us this Advent season to remember the gift of life that you have given us. Help us to find the courage to make it, maybe make a stand against the world and this consumeristic society that we live in. And to enter the story of Advent. And to remember what gift giving is really all about. God, we thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today is a a wonderful day to experience communion because this truly is a gift from God to us. A gift of life that acknowledges the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
As you come to the table, you are receiving this gift of life that God himself offers to us, to all of us. It was the night that they were celebrating Passover as he sat around the table with his disciples. At a certain point, he took the bread and he broke the bread and he gave thanks to God for it. He said, take this and eat all of you. This is my body, which is given for you. After supper, he took the cup and he raised it to God and he blessed God for it. And he said, take this, drink all of you. This is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. As often as you drink this, do so in remembrance of me. And so as we come forward to this table, let us remember that. That this is God's gift freely offered to us. A gift of life that is so powerful, nothing we could do here on this earth could repay him. Nothing we could do could come close to giving thanks for the love that he has so freely given us. As you come forward today, I encourage you. If you are with a family, to begin to live this relationship out today. To begin to enter into this Advent story today and serve one another. If you're by yourself, find somebody. You can do it yourself. Come talk to me. I will do it with you. But we encourage you to to be in communion with one another this morning as you come to God's table. Know that we do it by intention, which means you will take a piece of bread to which you will then dip into the cup. And that this is not our table. It's not a Methodist table, not a New Heights table. It is God's table. So all who care to come forward and receive this gift are welcome. Let us pray. Gracious and Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you for this gift of life that we are about to receive. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds that as we come forward to this table, we may truly experience the gift of life that comes with this. God, we ask that you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would make this truly be for us the body and blood of Christ. And we thank you for your sacrifice. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.